Welcome to 7-Minute Torah, an exploration of the weekly Torah portion. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. This podcast consists of about 7 to 10 minutes on the weekly parasha, hence the name 7-Minute Torah. Some weeks it's just me, and other weeks I'm in conversation with another rabbi or a Jewish thought leader. Thanks for listening. This week we start a new book of the Torah. In English it's called Leviticus, which means priestly things or Levitical things. In Hebrew it's called Vayikra. Vayikra means God called. That's also the name of the Parsha. Because, fun fact in case you didn't know, both books of the Torah and Parshiot and Torah portions take their name from the first important word in the Parsha. So as this Parsha begins... The Israelites are standing at Sinai. They've been there for quite a while, and they've just finished building the Mishkan, the tabernacle or portable sanctuary that they're going to carry with them through the wilderness as they make their way to the promised land. Now that it's built, they have to learn how to use it, and that's the subject of this Parsha and of a lot of this book of the Torah. So it begins with Vaikra, with God calling out to Moses and beginning to explain the laws of the various kinds of sacrifices. Now, I have to admit, this is not necessarily the easiest portion to relate to. It's easy to kind of have your eyes glaze over as you read the details of the various kinds of sacrifices and how they were to be offered. And for those of us who are vegetarian, this isn't the easiest because it's all about animal sacrifice. But nonetheless, it gives us a sense of how ancient Israelite worship happened and of what Judaism looked like before it was Judaism, so to speak. There are several different kinds of sacrifices or offerings that are described here. The olah, which is the burnt offering, the mincha, or grain offering, and by the way, mincha is still the name of the afternoon daily service today, which gives you a sense of how Judaism as we know it today came out of this ancient system. We have the Zevach Shlamim, which is known as the well-being offering. You would bring it when you were grateful or thankful for something. And finally, a series of different kinds of guilt or sin offerings. And that was what caught my interest as I was reading this week. What we have here is a series of different sacrifices that are meant to be offered when a person unwittingly committed a wrong, a person unwittingly broke a commandment or performed a sin of some kind. Now, I have a fair amount of discomfort with the language of sin and expiation. I think when we talk about sin, especially in English, it tends to have a connotation of there's something wrong with you. You are somehow mortally flawed. But that's not what the Torah means, and it certainly is not what Judaism means. And this Parsha is a reminder to us that ancient people actually did very much think in terms of of wrongdoing and sin and the need to be expiated, to have your slate wiped clean. These days we do that through our own actions. In ancient times, people did it through sacrifices. And there's a lot to be learned from looking at what the Parsha has to say about these expiation sacrifices. The first thing to notice is that the Torah divides up the sacrifices— and by the way, I'm in chapter 4 of Leviticus here, divides up the sacrifices in terms of who committed the action, who is being expiated here. And the first person it mentions is the priest. It says, 
im hakohen hamashiach yecheteh, if an anointed priest has incurred guilt, here is the type of offering that the priest needs to perform. In fact, the priest needs to perform this offering before they can perform an expiation offering for anybody else. This is really interesting because it's a reminder or an acknowledgement that leaders are imperfect, that leaders make mistakes and are human. We can't look to those in charge to be paragons of blamelessness. Judaism recognizes that they do wrong just like the rest of us, and that's why the Torah creates a process by which a leader, a priest, or a chieftain can expiate their own wrongdoing. And the corollary to that is that there is a responsibility by the leader, whether it be a priest or a chieftain, to recognize their own wrongdoing and admit to it and do the work of expiating their sins. Remember that these are wrongs that were committed unwittingly, so the person has to recognize it or have it brought to their attention, and then be willing to do the work of expiation. That's not always easy for anybody, and maybe least of all a leader, and the Jewish tradition recognizes that. There's a passage in the Talmud, tractate Chorayot, page 10b, where Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai says, Ashrei hador shehanasi shalom mevi korban al shkagato. Happy or blessed is the generation whose leader is willing to bring an offering for their own transgression. In other words, there are lots of leaders, and maybe lots of the rest of us too, who are not willing to recognize wrongdoing, who choose to dig in when something is brought to their attention rather than saying, oh, maybe I did wrong, I can learn from this. And the Torah wants to teach us that one of the qualities of leadership is actually the willingness to admit one's mistakes and to be willing to do the work of expiating the wrongdoing and of learning from that process. So that's the first thing. The second really interesting moment in the Parsha is a few verses later, verse 13, where it says, Ve'im kol adat Yisrael yishku. This is what you should do if the entire community of Israel, the entire people, has done wrong. Now we might ask ourselves, how could an entire people do wrong? The commentators, and this is Rashi, say, oh, this is when the legislature has done wrong, when the government has done wrong on behalf of the people, and that's one way to understand it. The Eitz Chaim takes a little bit different tact. It says, it is possible for an entire community to be misled or swept away by prejudice or emotion. The voice of the people is not necessarily the voice of God. In other words, sometimes societies get things wrong. Sometimes majorities don't take care of the minorities. Slavery is a great example of this. Racism, prejudice. These are examples of ways that an entire society has gotten it wrong. And the Torah wishes again to remind us here that the majority doesn't make it right, that it is the responsibility of society to protect minority views, not to allow the powerful or the many to trample the rights of the weak or the few. Societies are responsible to take care of their constituent members. And by the same token, individual constituent members of society are responsible to stand up to what they see as the wrongdoing around them. At the beginning of chapter 5 of Leviticus, the Torah gives a kind of a list of different examples of wrongdoing. What kinds of wrongdoing might an individual need to bring one of these expiation sins for? And here's the first example. 
Vishama kol Allah, a person who has heard a public imprecation or a public accusation and can testify, but chooses not to. This is a form of wrongdoing. And the Eitz Chaim commentary comments as follows. It says, we are held responsible not only for the wrong things we do, but for the things we should but do not do. And of course, that can go way beyond testifying. This could apply to helping the homeless or giving tzedakah or welcoming refugees or standing up against the injustice that we see either in Ukraine right now or anywhere around the world. When we can act, we are responsible to act. And if we don't, it is as though we have committed a wrong. Now that's a hard message to hear, but remember that the Torah is not here to condemn anybody. The whole point of this section is not to tell anybody what's wrong with them, but rather to help expiate our wrongs so that we can wipe the slate clean and move forward. And at the end of the day, that's a process of learning, figuring out what we'd like to be doing differently or better in the world, and figuring out a path toward living that way. And that, I think, is our way of relating to this Parsha. None of us are performing sacrifices anymore. None of us are bringing animal sacrifice to the temple in Jerusalem. But we're all still living imperfect lives, striving to be our best and making lots of mistakes along the way. Vaikra is ultimately a reminder of our responsibilities to each other, to the people we lead, to the people right in front of us, and the ones across the world. It's a reminder that being your best self involves standing up and doing what you can do to make the world better. And it's a reminder that being your best self is a lifelong process. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to 7-Minute Torah. Have you checked out the conversation in our Facebook group? Just go to Facebook and search 7-Minute Torah, listen and discuss. Then you can join the group and join the conversation. See you there.